What's up, y'all, and welcome into Fort Day Catholic. I hope that you are having a great day, and we, we can make it even better with today's show. I hope that you guys enjoy today's show. If you do, please like, subscribe, uh, either on the podcast app that you're listening to or on YouTube, and uh, vice versa. Podcasts are always easier on the go. YouTube's good to have on the background while you're just hanging out or working. So uh, look at our pretty faces on YouTube or just listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe. I'm going to keep saying it until you do it. Enjoy today's show that is brought to you by Catholic Match and the Ave Explorers podcast. Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll, and I am joined by what no one knows is the vice president of this organization called Forte Catholic, Father Anthony Andrew Shirapa Scaramucci. How are you, sir? I am doing well. How are you, Taylor? Oh, I am wonderful. I gave you a, a phone call yesterday. You did. Because uh, I, was, I was listening to something, and it gave me this idea. You and I have talked about seminarians quite mm-hmm. a bit. Uh, what are your, 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 you have a, this fun generalization about seminarians. What do you think about seminarians in general? In general, I think in order to be a seminarian, at the very least, you have to be some kind of nerd. Yep. And or geek. <laughs> Is there a difference? <laughs> I, I, you know what? You know who could tell you? Seminarians. Semin- <laughs> very well played. Very well played. My, my, so I, I had a, f- a couple of, of uh, questions that we'll kind of unravel over this first segment. But my question for you is, is you're one of my best friends now, but I've also, you've also shared about your seminary experience with me. So do you think that Taylor would have been friends with seminary, Anthony? Um, not, not immediately. Once I got to major seminary, so once I was like four years in, then we could totally be friends, no problem. Uh, but like college seminary, Anthony, it depends. It depends. Uh, I was a little bit more of a jerk, a little bit more uh, into my own ideas and thoughts and opinions. I kind of mellowed out after four years. So what you're saying is you and minor seminary and me now are too similar to have been Exactly. Friends. We would have just butt heads. It would have been, been rough, you know? <laughs> you went through a lot of growth. I'm still the same. Like, you say ridiculous stuff, but I'm like, it doesn't make me mad. I'm just like, oh, Taylor, he's a very silly man. Whereas in seminary, like, no, that's wrong. You said the wrong thing, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are where three weeks ago we did a roast where the priest doesn't know how to start mass. So no, speaking sorry. of saying the wrong things, it, it, we've all come full circle, yes. full circle. So I started thinking about seminary and seminarians and all the conversations that we've had on air and off air about yeah. seminarians and seminary experiences. Uh, and I was, I was thinking that one of the things that we have talked about is that seminarians have a lot of knowledge about, like the, seminarians probably have more knowledge about faith than, than most people, even people who have worked in ministry for a long time. But when it comes to like actually doing things in the church, they—I wouldn't say they have no idea what they're doing, but it's closer to that than full knowledge of what sure, they're doing. Yeah. So I was just playing with this idea of like knowledge of like Catholic things and like knowledge of how to accomplish Catholic things. <laughs> so it got me thinking. It's like I'm relatively experienced and have a relative amount of knowledge to be able to do youth ministry which doesn't take much of any of that and to do a radio show and to do like to travel and speak like I have enough insight into how to do things that I'm I'm able to do them now 
when I give talks, I'm, I'm giving talks at the level of a 12th grader, right? So I, I, that's who I'm speaking to. Right. So over the years, the further I've been away from my schooling, I didn't go to seminary, but from undergrad and grad school, the further I've gotten away, the less like fancy Catholic terms I know. People are like, uh, I need to wear my stole. I'm like, what are you stealing? Like, I'm just very confused <laughs> about what's going on. If you have trouble with stole, this one, this might be tough for you, Taylor. <laughs> right. So I was like, here's what we're going to do, Father Anthony. I called you yesterday and I said, you're going to actually have to put in some work for today's show. And oh. you didn't like that because you don't like doing any work. No. <laughs> and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I've become relatively successful within the Catholic world, which means not successful at all, but like yeah. relatively successful yeah. within Catholic stuff. Uh, and you're going to put me to the test on things that a seminarian would know. D does Taylor know them? So here's our, our the introduction of our fancy Catholic word segment where you're going to share words with me and I'm going to define what they are. It's mostly words. I have one phrase in there, but... It'll work. Okay, so... I mean, phrases are built of words. They so. are. They are. They are, yeah. Okay. Let's we'll start off with this. Let's we'll start off with this. Taylor. Is yes? I think we... We're, I'm going to try and start easy and go more difficult. We'll see if I did a good job. Prevenient grace. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is to define it exactly what I think it is. Okay. And then you'll tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> yes. Prevenient grace. Okay, so grace is like the unmerited gift that God gives us. So I know what grace is. Yeah, Prevenient okay. uh, kind of sounds like before and convenient. Like it's just kind of a convenience that it's there, but it's also before you do anything. So I think prevenient grace is like the grace that we have from God before we were baptized. We're still in God's graces, just not in his family. That's pretty good, actually. So, like, prevenient grace is what, you know, that's what converts the pagan. That's the grace that comes first into someone's life. So that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Prevenient grace. Grace that – the first grace uh, that uh, people receive. Okay. So I'm, I'm one of one. Mm -hmm. I'm brilliant. <laughs> exactly. All right. Next word. Unction. Unction. Oh, okay. 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 So I know that this comes from extreme unction, mm -hmm. which I think is – some kind like like you and I will be playing video games, yeah, and you'll just be like, "I have to leave now," because you get a call from like a hospital where like an elderly person is about to yes. pass away. So it's like last rites. So the where where I'm gonna get tripped up is like the difference between last rites and extreme unction. So I think extreme unction is like the person is like literally dying right then, and it's like prayers or something you say, and maybe you hear a confession or give them a Jesus or something. You're you're in the right ballpark on the wrong base. So extreme unction. On the is, wrong, that's, is, a, that's a great metaphor. I like it's, that. Uh, <laughs> it's it's. Uh, yeah, wait wait wait! Oh. I stole second. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, look at that sports and Catholicism. Um, so extreme unction, last rites. They're basically same terms for the same thing. All right. Unction is a word that means anointing. So it it is the. Extreme unction is the anointing of the sick. It's just an older phrase that we don't use as much. So unction oh. is anointing. Okay, okay. So extreme unction, it's not just the last time. Like you, like I've gotten anointing of the sick, and I wasn't like currently dying, but I was like ill. Yeah, that so, would have been extreme unction. Okay, so now, I thought that normally, was like uh, yeah. moderate unction. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the thing is, like the the big change is recently the church has emphasized that you can get this more often and not just when you're dying whereas in the past it was more understood that you would get it just when you were dying so 
have they thought about removing the word extreme? <laughs> yeah, they don't call it that anymore. They call it anointing of the sick. But that's oh, just... good. Okay, okay, okay. So it's the old term for anointing yes, of the sick. Yes, extreme. Okay, function. good. So I didn't, I didn't go. get that one. I was, I was close, but I didn't get it. Okay, one for two. Okay, now we're gonna get uh, into a slightly more useless term, um, Cairo. Uh, more useless than the term that's no longer used. Yeah. <laughs> Cairo. Less. Cairo. Okay. Chiropractor. This is where the church pops your back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's when uh, it's when your baby is crying and everybody in front of you turns their neck so quickly to glare at you with judgment that their neck pops. So this is what's called Cairo. <laughs> and that's the Cairo uh, exactly. <laughs> happens at mass. <laughs> I think I think the Cairo. It, I, I think it's the symbol for Jesus, and it's not the little fish one. I don't think it's like the. It's the one that it's, it's it's his initials that aren't his initials. Like his initials are like J C, like Jesus Christ. I know his last name isn't Christ. Like I'm not an idiot. J <laughs> uh, C. Uh, is it the P in the X or is that Peter? It's the You're P in the right. X? It's the okay. it's the P in the X, which it's doesn't Cairo, make any sense at all. For the Jesus. letters Chi and Rho. Uh, it's the Greek word for Christ, which begins with the letters Chi and Rho, which are the X and the P superimposed on each other. Good job, Taylor. <laughs> Pix Christ, Pix Christ. <laughs> it's very dumb. Okay, it's I I I think that one's dumb, but I got it right. So two out of three. Okay. Um, you might know this. You might use this word in your talk. We'll find out. Kenosis. We're doing some Greek words now. Kenosis. Kenosis. So it's it's a Catholic word, but it's Greek. Yeah. Okay. Uh, kenosis is uh, uh, whenever whenever you're a greeter at church. And the greeters are taught to be like Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kenobi, and say, hello there. <laughs> hello there. <laughs> <laughs> that's my answer. I have nothing more than okay, that. That's really good. Uh, but absolutely wrong. Uh, kenosis, that is the emptying out of, of the word. So when Christ, uh, the word becomes flesh, in a sense, he's kind of emptying himself from his, you know, he's still divine, but there's a kind of, uh, coming down to earth and emptying out, that's kenosis. Christ dying on the cross is a kind of kenosis and emptying out of uh, of divinity, in a sense. That'd be okay. kenosis. Is it specifically for divinity, or can I empty other things and it's kenosis? Well, it's one of those words that, like, the only way anybody uses it anymore is in reference to Christ. But sure, if you want to use ancient Greek in common parlance, yeah, so yeah. You, you know my you know my kids. So if I look at my eight year old and I say Kenosis the trash, is that? <laughs> <laughs> it would. I think that'd be technically right. Sure. <laughs> We've got divinity, actual trash. Use the same <laughs> word. It's fine. <laughs> okay, I have I, a. 50 I undergo. Currently. I undergo kind of kenosis whenever I enter into this podcast. It's an emptying of myself. A, a, a you know a belittling of myself in a way. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Next word. <laughs> Manaturgium. Manaturgium. Uh, this is a thing that, uh, so back in the day, priests were trained uh, to not only dis distribute the sacraments, but also like, you know, manage a parish. They dropped that about 300 years ago and no priests are trained in that anymore. What was the word? What was Manaturgium. the word? Manaturgium. So they used to go through manaturgium uh, training. It was like being a Catholic manager. Uh, mm -hmm. But now it's they, they dropped that. It was like extreme unction, uh, even though uh, we we need some extreme, 
uh, trading for our for our parish priests. Uh, but we need that manaturgium to come back. That's uh, incredibly wrong because historically speaking, priests have never been good managers. <laughs> if anything, there's slightly less corruption than there was in the Middle Ages. No, the manaturgium, uh, it literally means hand towel, but specifically when a priest is uh, ordained, his hands are anointed, or uh, there's unction that happens to his hands, the holy oil, and then you use that towel, manaturgium. It's not extreme, but it's like pretty cool unction. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really cool unction is what it's called. And uh, that towel gets uh, is used to wipe off the, uh, the holy oil, and traditionally that towel is given to the priest's mother. And the story goes that uh, when the priest's mother dies, she's buried with that towel, and so that when she goes to heaven, uh, the, the the legend is that Christ will be will say what what did you give me while you were on earth, and she can hand Christ a towel and say I gave you my son. So uh, you can't take anything with you into heaven except, except if you're the mom of a priest. <laughs> yes, exactly, and that's your free ticket to heaven. So it's a very nice story. <laughs> yeah, that also liturgically correct and uh, theologically correct. So uh, my I guess my question is, uh, you know, like. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, like, I think we everybody assumes that, like, all priests take the vow of poverty. But you took the easy way out and became diocesan, so you yes. didn't take that vow. So let's just say that you needed a little bit of more funds for, you know, something like buying a new monitor for your TV that you did incorrectly a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, like, could you... Like I can buy memorable memorabilia of like Nolan Ryan's uh, last pitch of his perfect game. It's like eight thousand dollars or eighteen thousand dollars or whatever on eBay. Like if you got in a pinch or your mom got in a pinch, like could you sell like Father Anthony's Manaturgium on eBay? You know, here's your I, ticket to heaven. Like if I bought that from your mom, do I now have the free ticket to heaven? <laughs> <laughs> So when Taylor gets to heaven and Jesus says, what did you give me while you were on earth? It's like, well, I gave your priest a very hard time. Just, just all the time is what you're like, okay, yeah, come on in. Um, no, like the, the selling of holy objects is a, is a big no-no. Uh, so that would that would not be okay. I just thought I found a loophole uh, after, you know, we had to get rid of uh, priests getting money for me telling them my sins. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely wrong. Okay, next word. Wait, was that the fifth one? Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Yep, that was five. Okay. How many total are there? You have that list? Uh, ten. But okay. You can tell me how many we, you want to do. You want to do? Oh, I, I currently have two out of uh, the, well, the total ten. Yes. Okay. Just making okay. sure I have my math right. Got it. Okay. Next word, sticking with the Greek, hypostasis. Why are they all or Greek? Hypostasis. Depends on how you want to pronounce it. <laughs> I have Hypost- a I have a hypostasis that you didn't think this through because they're all Greek words. <laughs> they're Greek words, but they're used. Okay. Hy- what, what what was the first pronunciation you said? Uh, hypostasis. Hypostasis. I think uh, is I'll just like you, I'll give you. I'll give you. Wait, wait, no, wait. Okay, I think but, I got it. The hypostatic okay, union. And I know that that's a thing. So I'm thinking hypostasis is like the hype is the one word way of saying like the hypostatic union. So that is the union. Now here's here's where here's where I know the answer, but I might still do a heresy. So okay. <laughs> it is it is I I'm gonna I'm gonna try to say it uh, generally so I don't get in trouble. It's the union of of Jesus's uh, human and divine natures. So I think it's the two natures coming together in the one that's the the union that they, that God had to use the uh 
the uh, uh, medical term of hypostasis to unite the two natures of of Jesus as like his human nature and his divine nature. All right, this is kind of a trick question, so I'll give it to you because hypostatic union, you defined it, but the the uh, hypostasis of that is in reference to like the person or the essence of a person. So two natures and one person is the hypostatic union. So, but well, that counts. You did good enough. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do a heresy. I I, I was like. I was like, is it the two natures or the two persons? I was like, what's the right word? <laughs> it, took me, it took me a little while to get through it. Good. All right. We're getting uh, hopefully increasingly difficult. Taylor, what is a, what is a chiastic structure? <laughs> this a is chiastic when, uh, structure. So in, in a molecule, there are, there are atoms and there are protons and neutrons and electrons. And that word, it, it pulls them all together. <laughs> <laughs> I gave up halfway through that. <laughs> hey, okay. This is something scripture scholars love to point out. Say it again. It, uh, it's this is something scripture. This no, is say something... the word again. I heard you this time. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> Chiastic structure. Okay. Oh, so, oh, 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 oh. You gave me a hint, so it won't count. But chiastic structure. I know one structure in scripture, and Paul used it? it a lot. Is this is this the structure where Paul? States, it's like A, B, C, B, A. It's like where Paul states a premise and then defends the premise, and then the bulk of the premise is in the middle, and then he like kind of goes back from there. Is that what you're talking about? Or is Ooh, this different? If you give me the right letters, I'll give it to you. I think it's A, B, C, B, A. Close, so close. Okay. But no cigar. This is the structure that goes A, B, B, A. For example, Abba! it is. <laughs> For example, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is a chiastic structure. Cool. I like the other one better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what that one's called? What? The the ABCBA. Do you know what that one's called? Not ringing a bell. Well, you got 0 for 1, so you have a 0. I have a 20, Dang, and I'm doing better you're than doing you. Better than me. <laughs> <laughs> you stink. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No idea. Okay. Um, so the next word. I personally think this is the most useless word. It's the most useless word I learned. In the most theology. useless word you've said in this interview is you keep saying Taylor before you ask me the question like anyone else is here. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Schroll. <laughs> yes, Taylor. No, 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 no. First, Taylor, of, his, yeah, okay, first of his name. Good. Spiration. Ooh. Spiration. Spiration. Okay. Spy Tuesday is a day that I don't know what it is. Nice. It has something to do with Lent, I think. <laughs> Sp spiration. It's the day where priests uh, take a nap to get ready for Holy Week. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll break this down. Uh, beginning by saying, no, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't think I was. <laughs> right, but I mean, you were almost right in the completely wrong direction you were going. Cool. In the sense that Spy Wednesday is indeed kind of a part of Lent. It's the Wednesday before um, Holy Thursday. And it, the idea of Spy Wednesday, that's the day that Judas went to talk with the Pharisees so that he was going to hand over Jesus. So he was acting like a spy, Spy Wednesday. Okay, But oh. spiration okay. is the way in which the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. So he's spying on us. <laughs> he's no, no, no. He spirates from the Father and the Son. 
Okay, okay. I got. It's funny that you bring this up because we talked about Taylor not getting into heresy a while ago. Do you yeah. remember a few weeks ago where somebody was yelling at me on on the internet because I said I I, I miss I misworded that in the middle of a talk. I like stuttered and I said like the love between the Father and the Son. I think I said created the Holy Spirit. Or whatever. Right, like, right, right, right. Which is heresy, but I like I misspoke. Right. Yeah, you were just using. So I, I didn't use spirate. <laughs> so I, therefore I'm yeah. a heretic. No. Um, <laughs> So spiration is so. Explain that a little bit more. Um, it's uh, so the father, in a set in this theological sense, generates the son. There's generation. That's the the procession from. This father is to my son. generation. Whereas the Holy Spirit, it's not generation. It's spiration. Uh, it comes from like uh, uh, the idea or the word like for breath, uh, spiration. It's really technical. We used it a whole bunch in my Trinity class. Which, uh, surprisingly, uh, the course number for my Trinity class was 666, which we've always found was very funny. Uh, Not but three, that's, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So that was that, that's spiration. It's a technical term about how the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. It spirates. Well, sure. <laughs> All right. How many more are left? Two. Okay. Uh, okay, next word. Um, eudaimonics. 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 Eudices. That's the Ulysses. Eudaimonics. Eudaimonics. That's just something somebody said when they were speaking in tongues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that sounds like it. Eudaimonics. Eudaimonics. Um, <laughs> so this is, this is, I had to dive deep into my notes. Eudaimonics is a theory of happiness resulting from a life of activity in accord with reason. So oh, it's a that's theory why I'm of happy how, all the time. It's how you <laughs> become happy all the time. Um, it, it's a word you might use when you're talking about the natural and supernatural end uh, of humanity. It's a nature and grace terminology. Um, it was buried deep in my in my theology notes. So eudaimonics, there you go. So it's like doing what you were created to do, not what you want to do. You'll find happiness doing what God created. It's not quite because natural and supernatural ends are both in God's plan in a sense. It's it's way too big of a thing. Who cares? Okay, so this is what Drake's song was about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> okay. This is my favorite word I learned in seminary. Oh yeah! Now I'm real scared about what you're gonna say. No cussing allowed on the show, Anthony. It might sound like a cuss, but it's not. Crypto monophysicist. Crypto monophysicist. Crypto monophysicist. So this is a person who has training in in the sciences. Which, uh, faith and science are not are not opposed they're together they're 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 all truth so god god created truth both theology and science and this is somebody who historically was you just turned around your hair looks real dumb uh you, <laughs> you look like I, you turn around i thought you were a woman so uh they're a scientist that is catholic uh that that studies uh cryptocurrency <laughs> <laughs> well done. Wrong. So, um, a monophysicist is is a heresy, or someone who believes in the heresy, where Jesus only has um, one nature. 
So he's either just human or just divine. Usually this no hypostatic union. No, ha- Only no one hypostasis. <laughs> it, it, it's usually referring to someone who believes that really Jesus is just divine, not human. A crypto monophysicist is someone who does not realize that they re- they might say they profess human and divine, but what they really believe is that he's just divine. And uh, this is actually kind of important because I mean this is something you might encounter in a lot of Christians even still today who have who struggle with the idea that Jesus had emotion or that he was a real you know human person. They think of him as just like the divine Jesus you see in icons and in statues and stuff. They make him, they take away his humanity. So they wouldn't say that they only believe in his divinity, but practically speaking, they do. They are a crypto monophysicist. Good for them. (laughs) Yeah. Actually kind of bad for them, but okay. Well, I got a, uh, I I took a eighth grade theology test last year and failed it. Uh, I got 68 points on that test. Yeah. On this one, I got a 30. <laughs> so I'm doing great with Catholicism. And that's kind, of, that's kind of my point. Is I don't know. I knew three tenths of these words, and I'm still doing okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue this conversation in the final segment of today's show, uh, talking a little bit more about how maybe uh, t- Taylor's real dumb but kind of knows some stuff. Maybe, maybe, maybe I know what I'm doing. Just maybe. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to take a break, and you're going to take a break from me because uh, I pre-recorded an interview with Sam Blair, and Sam and is a uh, former uh, Navy SEAL who now works for the Frasati Company doing um, leadership coaching, and he's worked with people like Elton Brand for the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers, so like worked with professional athletes and their and their organizations. Is a pre-recorded conversation. I got a ton out of it. Like it, a, a lot of times the interviews, I'm just like running the interviews, and then I'm like, oh, like after I'm like, that was really good. Like in the middle of it, I'm like, this is helping my life. <laughs> so I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll be right back with Sam Blair. Father Anthony and I will continue this conversation from this very silly game we played in the final segment. Don't go anywhere. Longtime listeners of the show know that I am a big fan of comics. And a friend of mine, Andy Shaggy Cordy, is a Catholic comic book dude. He makes awesome Catholic comics. uh, And he wanted me to share this with you. And I said yes, because he's been so generous with us in the past by giving us, giving Forte Catholic a ton of free, uh, like, saint cards. We've talked about them on the show. We've shared them with uh, with our donors. They're tremendous. Uh, Joshua Facemeyer, Meyer? Face Meyer, I think I got that right, of Impressus Art and Andy Shaggy Cordy teamed up on St. Joseph prayer cards. They depict St. Joseph teaching Jesus carpentry skills, lots of little hidden things like Joseph's name over the doorpost in Hebrew. Uh, a prayer on the back is from Pope Francis's apostolic letter, Periscorde. That's how much Latin I know. Get the cards for your youth group, RCIA, confirmation, or first communion class, or hand out in confession. I, I guess that's if you're a priest. Don't go into confession. I guess you could bring him into confession and give them to the priest. So it works either way. Just don't be weird. Uh, get as few as 10 or large bulk orders to supply your parish. And if uh, these do well, we might bring you more things like this in the future. So go to Impressus, I-M-P-R-E-S-S-U-S Art. Impressusart.com. Uh, they're only 6 bucks for 10 10 bucks for 25 65 for 1000 You could buy them. For a small country. There you go. Do it. Impressesart.com to get the St. Joseph Holy Card in the middle 
of this year of St. Joe's. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll, and for the first time in quite some time, we have a guest. Those are our sound effects, because we're, you know, you all know we're super professional around here. But we have a real professional on the show today. A tremendous guy that I just met through email, because my friend Emily Blasdale said, you should have this guy on your show because he's awesome. And I said, okay, Emily, whatever you say. Uh, Sam Blair is here with me today. Sam, how are you? Taylor, I'm great. It's great well, to be here. I love how people always say it's great to be here whenever they're on a Zoom call with me because they don't have to actually be. It's like you're like, it's safe to be an entire state away from you. Glad to be not where you are. <laughs> yeah, I feel very safe right now. Very well, safe. you probably feel safe for other reasons. So uh, you you work, work for the Versati, the Versati company, and Emily spoke highly of you, and I went to the site. The first thing that I saw was a recommendation from Elton Brand. Now, if you're a sports fan who's around my age, you know who Elton Brand is. He's one of the best centers from whenever we were all kids growing up. And the first thing that I see on your website is Elton Brand saying how good y'all are at your jobs. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll have these guys on the show. <laughs> right on. Yeah, Elton is the man. He's such a cool dude. Such a cool it's, dude. And it was a pleasure working with him and, and his that's, crew. That's awesome. And it's so funny because, like, usually you, when you think of, like, centers, you know, people that are seven feet, you're just like, oh, they're just skilled because they're seven feet tall. And then this guy, after he retired, got an executive-level job where he's running an entire basketball organization. So uh, they, they always say that the closer your head is to God, the smarter you are. At least that's what I always said because I was tall. But Elton's seven foot, so he's super, super close to God in that yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's crushing. He's doing an awesome job there, too. I, they love well, him. That's great. So. Yeah, so that was the reason you got on, yeah. and then I got to learn a little bit more about you, and I saw that you were you were in the military, you were a SEAL, and the people like that always intimidate me because you're, you guys are awesome. I, you know, I've got a cousin that's in the military, and uh, it's, it's tremendous. And so we, we got to talking, and I was like, okay, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about with a guy who works with Elton Brand, one of the, one of the guys I watched play dozens of times when I was a kid, a SEAL, a guy who does coaching with the Facility Company and works with great organizations like you know, NBA basketball teams. What are we going to talk about? And you said, let's talk about grit, hardiness, and resiliency. Two things before we get started. One, I thought those were all synonyms. I didn't know that they meant different things. And you're, so you're going to teach me something today that those three words mean something different. And two, for anybody who's been listening the last couple of months, I have either had a lot of these things or not had a lot of these things, depending on the week, just with everything that's been going on the last couple of months. So I think this is really timely, uh, and I'm glad you're here. So uh, let's talk about grit. What is, what is grit, and how is it different than hardiness and resiliency? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Taylor. So if you had asked me a couple of years ago, I would have definitely said, yo, yeah, the synonyms are just a different way of saying the same thing. But it really is. You, you can bend them in almost just like three orders. So if you think grit, it's the first order. And talking about it, you know, I want to highlight Dr. Angela Duckworth's work on grit. So she defines it as passion and perseverance. And it's super important because before you dive into anything, you want to make sure you're discerning. Is this where I'm supposed to be? You know, a lot of people pat me on the back for my military service. I'm, oh, yeah, I appreciate it. Like, thanks for paying your taxes because I love what I do. Like, I've loved it. Um, and I'm passionate about it. If you sign me up for, you know, a PhD program in chemistry, 
I'm not going right. to be so passionate <laughs> about that. I'm not going to persevere either. I'm not going to be Dr. Blair with a PhD in chemistry. So I, what, what it is, is it's this ability to do it first and foremost, discerning in my passion so that I can persevere. And that's the whole discernment process. So that's a little bit about grit. We can unpack that in a minute. And then hardiness is in the moment. Resiliency is on the back okay. end of that. So I'm starting to get a picture of this. And what's interesting is uh, grit. I, I, I've heard that word a lot just growing up as an athlete. And like, you got to grit, grit through it, push through it. And like, you know, it's like gritting your teeth, like grinding your teeth, you know? And, and so I think right. like the interesting thing is there have been times where I used what I thought was grit where I, I had to persevere through things, you know, difficult workouts or difficult things that you have to do as a husband, father, uh, person at a workplace, whatever. Sometimes you're not super passionate about what you're doing, but you have to persevere through it. And over time, that can get exhausting and frustrating. And that's, that leads to giving up because you can only grit through things for so long when you're not uh, passionate about them. So I, I like, I like the, the caveat there in that definition. So the next part is, is hardiness. What does that mean? Yeah. So to, to your point on grit, a lot of that, right. Uh, Albert Einstein has this awesome quote, you know, a lot of times we think we have just grit through things because we end up finding ourselves as a fish trying to climb a tree. And of course, you know, people are going, Oh, this person's an idiot. They can't climb a tree. It's like, well, the person's right. a fish, like put them in a habitat that they're actually passionate about. And so I think once we get into this idea of we've discerned it, we know we're passionate about it. So you, you mentioned fatherhood, your job, I'm sure you thought about these things and you're in it. There's things we don't like in our vocation that are challenging. There's things in our job, even though we're passionate about, that we don't like. I don't like doing dishes, changing diapers. There's, but I'm passionate about fatherhood. I'm passionate about being married to my wife. I'm passionate about my job. There's things in that that I, I don't necessarily care for. But that's where hardiness kicks in. Because in the moment, you have three things. And this is from the work of Dr. Bartone. Uh, he talks about challenge, control, and commitment. And so I'll break those down here in a minute, but the way I like to frame hardiness is in the moment. So it's, it's in the event and you're faced with adversity and you look at it, how are you, ch the challenge piece, you can either lean into that or you can walk away from it. So it's, you can look at it from a fixed or growth mindset, kind of like Dr. Carol Dweck writes about in her book, uh, Mindset. Control, what in this situation can I control? And what are the things that I'm worried about or upset about that's like, I got to let this go because I have no bearing over the situation. Um, and then commitment. It's revisiting that passion. Like, all right, I'm changing this diaper because no one else is going to, or I'm doing these dishes because that's my role and my responsibility. So really tying into that, that passion yes. and just working. So it those seems steps. to be like in the particular moment, you have to look at, like, if you don't want to do something in the particular moment, you have to take a step back and be like, well, where is my passion? Like, so, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like changing diapers, but I really enjoy being a good father and a good husband. Cause if I don't change it, my wife is going to, or the baby's not going to get changed. Right. right, right, right. So ultimately if I, right, if I right, care right. about this macro thing of being good husband and father, then the things that are difficult in the moment, that's where that hardiness comes in. Okay. I'm starting to get, yeah. 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 And I think there's even, you know, to just take it one step further, there's times in any career, I don't care who you are. If you, you're like, Oh, I've discerned this. I'm really passionate about this job. There's going to be times when you're doing that job. You're like, man, I feel like I just snuck away with like the prize. Cause I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. And there's other days you're like, man, you can't pay right, me yeah. enough to do this, you know, but that's just, that's just part of the tale. Yeah, I was talking with a, a buddy, a, a buddy of mine who actually co-hosted with me a few weeks ago, Edmund Mitchell, who does a lot of creative work, like, like the, the same kind of work that I'm doing. And 
he said this thing. I don't know if it was on the show or just him and I talking, but how like our work, the thing we're really passionate about, like I'm really passionate about this show. I'm also passionate about helping other people create their shows. And like, that's a, the bulk of what I do. But then like there are jobs that I have to do both time and financially in order to do the things that I'm really, really, really passionate about. So there's like these tiers of like right. extremely passionate, biggest thing. And then these other things that I also really like, and these other things that are okay. And these other things that I have to do that are like the hardiness things to be able to do the things that I'm right. really, truly passionate about. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. And I, I think on the back end of that, that's where you get resiliency. And I think for the longest time, it's been such a buzzword that it almost tries to lump all three into the same bin. And it's a separate entity. So it's really the ability to bounce back from an adverse situation. That's what I so need right now. You go through adversity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ability to bounce back. And, and the other thing is people equate it as a positive word. You know, oh, you're so resilient. Well, you can also, there's also a thing as negative resiliency. And you're like, what do you mean by that? But it's essentially the ability to just kind of release that pressure valve of stress. So you can do that a couple healthy ways. So sleep, diet making sure you're touching base with family and friends, getting a workout in, having some quiet time. You can also go to the bar, burn it down, binge on Netflix and eat a bag of potato chips, you know, and not do anything for days on end, you know, just kind of loaf around because you're stressed. And so there's a, there's a way to bounce back that's both healthy and unhealthy. So it's not necessarily this all encompassing positive thing to be resilient because there's, there's ways that humans, you know, find resiliency um, and we encourage, you know, the positive, you know, track to yeah. the right. Well, I'm very good at both, which I think is the problem. I'm good at the healthy one, and then I'm really so good talented. at the bad so one. <laughs> yeah, when right, I, whenever right. I thought multi-talented, I don't think that's what I wanted. <laughs> right, right, right. So here, here are these three three primary things. We've got grit, hardiness, and resiliency. And you've given like. I, I, like literally eight minutes ago, I thought they were all the same word. And now I get it and I get the process and I can see where, like, I think for the most of my life, I've, I've gritted through things so like the po mostly positive, but some negative. Um, ultimately I'm doing things now. Like I just restructured my life a year ago and I'm doing things that I'm more passionate about. So it's easier to have that hardiness and being like passionate about my work helps my hardiness as a husband, father, coach, like all the other things around like, uh, you know, my, my primary work, my primary, primary vocation, all those things. Um, and then the resiliency I think is where like this year has been tough because I've had months, weeks, days where I've done the healthy and then other months, weeks, days where I've done gone, gone the negative route. So you have all these experiences. We were talking earlier, um, your time in the military, you said that you're a missionary in Africa, uh, all, all kinds of like cool things in your life that have led to what you're doing now, working with the facility company and helping businesses and individuals like live out these things, other great values, strive to, to be, you know, like to, to fully actualize who they are. Um, so let's put it into a story. You know, you got to do mission work in Africa. Like I was a missionary, but it was like right here, like in town. Like, yeah, it was cool, but it's like you got, you did like the missionary when people think missionary, right? So how did these things play into uh, your time as a missionary in Africa? Yeah. And, and full disclosure, I, I say missionary in Africa it was, it was a short stint in the summer right after I graduated from college and I was working with some friends. We, we got to help out. It was such an honor to come alongside the missionaries of charity an orphanage in a place called Bali, Ethiopia, not, not Indonesia. And um, there was a hundred 
plus kids and four nuns. And these kids had been mutilated. So they're in the streets of Addis Ababa. And there's my understanding was there's this ring where these kids are either mutilated, so missing limbs or intentionally blinded, put on the streets to beg. People take them in at night, you know, take their money, feed them, put them on the street, just this vicious cycle. And some good Samaritans, you know, got them out of there and into the orphanage. I remember trying to process this in my 20s, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Adults did what to these kids? And um, that really was a catalyst for me wanting to do something um, to affect the situation and, and do something bigger. And that ultimately led to me joining up in, in, in the military and, and going the that route. That's amazing. I mean, it's so sad and, like that that, that, that yeah. stuff is going on. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it's not an isolated incident. You know, this is happening uh, all over the place, you know, not necessarily to that degree, but you know, perhaps worse. And, and, and um, there's a spectrum of it. But again, um, trying to have an impact, you know, and, and a positive one. So you spent this time doing this work in Africa. You said it led to your time uh, in, in the military. And then ultimately you, you now you're working for this for a company trying to help people called the Fasadi Company. So uh, you said that, that these these three primary words that we've been focusing on grit, hardiness, and resiliency. You've seen that in the saint that you named your company after Pierre Giorgio Frasati. Uh, let's make that connection. Yeah, for sure. So when I was in my 20s, uh, I was actually wrapping up at undergrad uh, at Franciscan University, and I came across uh, a little pamphlet on Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frasati, and those of you that don't know about his life, I'd really encourage you to research him. Such an inspiring individual on so many fronts. And um, based on my experiences in, in Africa, my experiences in the military, and then teaching leadership at the Naval Academy, rolling out what I wanted to do in terms of leadership. And as you said, this idea of self-actualizing, helping not only individuals, but organizations you know, reach peak performance. I think the biggest shout out was back to Pierre Giorgio Frasati, who is just such an example of what it is to be fully alive and what it is to be a, uh, a man for others, not only uh, in his immediate family, but his community at large. And, and I really think when we can help individuals get to that peak performance, uh, you can really have huge change. Whether you see it or not, you're, you're making that positive impact, which is... Uh, which really jazzes me and my my business partners. Okay, so up. yeah, let's talk about the Fasadi Company. And, and we, we we talked at the beginning how you you guys are helping organizations like the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers, like this multi multi million dollar uh, probably in the billions uh, organizations. But then I was like, well, I don't I don't think I don't think anybody that listens to this show owns a billion dollar company. So, <laughs> and I was happy to say that you or to find out that you guys are all also working with individuals. So, what does that work? And uh, look like, and what is what is the goal of the work that you are you are are working with people? And I know that a lot of people listening to the show, just so you know, uh, like hate the buzzword of like become the best version of yourself. So how is what y'all you guys are doing uh, real and good and, and helpful to people without being just a buzzword? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, great question. So we have three services, and we 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 kind of. I'm a fan of In-N-Out Burger out yeah. in California, and they have a one, two, three menu. You know, you can get a hamburger, cheeseburger, double cheeseburger. Um, apparently, there's a secret menu there, but it's a secret, so I'm not <laughs> going to share that on the show. But with us, you've got executive coaching. So individuals, whether you know, you're just starting out or you're an executive or middle manager, we want to come alongside you and really help you work through you know, this idea of what is it that you want to achieve and what's getting in your way, and then helping you work through that interference. And so we'll, we'll partner for about 10 sessions. We can go longer, but that's about 
Uh, that's the minimum is 10 one hour sessions. We do organizational health consulting, which is anywhere from 90 minutes to 12 months, depending on what the organization's needs are. And that's really just following a, a, a model that was built, built up by Patrick Linsoni. Oh, yeah. And uh, so we're Kappa Pro members tied in with the table group. So it's, you know, build a cohesive team, um, create alignment, cascade clarity, and then implement human systems. So enough structure to really unleash the talents and strengths within the organization. And then the third thing we do is really the, you know, the shout out to Blessed Pierre Georgia for Society's Adventures. So helping teams, you know, get away from the office site. So think boutique, you know, offsites there, we might throw in a little adversity here and there, but really just an opportunity for employees, team members to just enjoy one of those company and get to know each other on a different level outside of the work. That's great. Uh, I think after listening to our conversation today and my conversation with you, I, I appreciate everything that you said, because like I was telling you before, like, Usually this is something that I'm really strong in in my life, but I think it's that last piece, that resiliency that's been really difficult because I think I solved the grit problem a year ago. Right. Uh, but I'm still, you know, we're all works in progress. We're all still uh, trying to figure these things out. So uh, if people are interested and I think I think there's a lot of people I, I've talked to people who listen to the show that have been struggling with, uh, with any of these three things, if not two or three of them, especially since a, a year, you know, a year ago this week when the pandemic started. Uh, so I think there are a lot of people who are, uh, when it comes to the grit piece, the first piece, if you're not doing something that you're both passionate about, if you're not doing something you're passionate about, it's going to be hard to persevere in the long run. And I just, from personal experience have persevered in things that I just needed to do to make ends meet or to take the next step or whatever it was, but you can't do that over the long run. Uh, and then the hardiness and the resiliency get more and more difficult and the resiliency more often will turn into the negative one, which is where i've been so if you're like me and you need some help in this uh sam how can they get connected with you guys yeah appreciate that taylor we have our, our website so you can reach out there so we have an online presence we're on linkedin as well um so yeah and, and we've got contact information listed there so i just direct anyone that's interested in learning more um on any of those fronts to the Versati company awesome. well sam thanks for your time today i appreciate it yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. It's been Guys, a pleasure. Guys, don't go back. Don't go back. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm really tired. I haven't been resilient very well recently. So I'm stuttering at all kinds of things. Well, I'll be right back. Uh, so do not go anywhere. Well, if you listened to last week's show, you know that I talked about online dating during the show. And boy, if you're going to online date, you need to do it somewhere where people share your morals. You can do that on Catholic Match. You can find other Catholics just like you who are praying and go, receiving the sacraments and also desperate for a spouse. That's what you can find over at Catholic Match. Uh, online dating is the new norm. I'm super old, so I didn't do it, but I know that that is, th is the thing now, especially during COVID. They have great ways for you to uh, to meet people. You can have like video dates before you meet people in person, which sounds tremendous. Uh, so create your Catholic love story today by going to catholicmatch.com slash forte. Catholic Match is making it easier than ever for single Catholics to connect could you imagine like living in like the Old Testament times and trying to meet somebody? It's like if you lived in a town of like 200 people, it's like there's that one dude that's your that's your age or that's one there's that one gal who kind of smells funny, but she's the only person your age. You don't have to live like that anymore thanks to catholicmatch.com/forte and also modern advancements, but mainly catholicmatch.com/forte. Sign up for your free account today.
unless you're married or a priest or a sister, don't break the law, you dummy. But if you're a single Catholic, catholicmatch.com slash fortune. <laughs> Welcome back to Fuck Day Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll. That is Father Anthony Serapa. Uh, that conversation with Sam, I, I loved. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And if you've been with us this whole time, you heard our first segment where uh, Father Anthony quizzed me on very fancy Catholic words, and I got three out of the ten right, uh, which, like, I, a lot of people would say, like, oh, I, Taylor should never give talks at parishes. He shouldn't have a radio show. He shouldn't He shouldn't be a leader in the Catholic world. He doesn't know what a, a cryptocurrency heretic physicist is. So, um, but I, I, we did all that, one, just to have fun and for all of us to learn random Catholic words so we can sound smart to our friends because that's all we really ever want, right? But Absolutely. I heard this quote the other day. And it's what I wanted to frame like today's whole episode, uh, or at least the first and last segments with you around. And the, the quote was this, comedy can sneak in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling with the lock. What say you about this? Say that again. Uh, hypostatic cryptocurrency. Here we go. <laughs> comedy can sneak in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling with the lock. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Um, it's amazing what some well-placed humor can do to um, connect with a person or to break through in an incredibly difficult time. Um, I found that even when I'm, I'm having serious conversations with a spiritual directee or somebody who's just coming into my office and they're in a kind of dark place as they're pouring out their hearts or whatever, or they, or they seem to present me with Wait, a... Wait, use the problem. word. Use the fancy word, pouring out hearts. What is it? They're just having a, a kenosis of their <laughs> yes, hearts, yeah, you go. know, they're towards good. me. Um, and sometimes a well-placed joke or a little bit of humor can just, like, bring light into the room, can help someone open up, can lift them up from their despair. There can be a connection there. Uh, very often when I'm talking with people who uh, aren't Catholic who are fallen away Catholics and they know I'm a priest. So all I see is my collar and my ridiculous hair. And they're, they're either like intimidated or they don't like me, but if I can use a little bit of humor to talk with them, boom, there's a connection. They're and no they longer start... intimidated, but they still don't like you. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, I don't like this guy. But I'm not scared of him. I'll ask him some questions. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how a little bit of humor can really bring a connection. Right. And like, all of my ministry has been based around this quote that I just heard last week. Like, I, like just intuitively, because we've talked before about how, like, essentially why I started this show five years ago was because all the shows that were out there at the time were uh, teaching shows. And a lot of them were very good at what they did. A lot of them not so much, but a lot of them very good at what they did. I, I grew a lot in college through Catholic Answers. Like, I was on a not very Catholic, Catholic campus and being bombarded with questions. So getting those answers was really helpful, but I couldn't like that, that just that knowledge is not the only thing of Catholicism. You have to like live an entire regular life while doing yeah. all these other things. Right. So like naturally, uh, like comedy comes easy to me. I've always enjoyed comedy and I've always enjoyed making people laugh. Like that's just always a thing that I've enjoyed and it's always been a part of who I am. So as faith started to enter my life more, it's like I it was hard for me to bridge those two things because so many of the people teaching me the faith were boring as all get out, right? Uh, so it's like, well, I want to do 
the show. And and like I've gotten criticisms before, like 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 just like that one we talked about in in our last segment together, where people were like, "You misspoke that one time," and I'm like, "Yeah, okay, fine, I misspoke, what whatever." And they, they were like, uh, uh, "You need to correct that so people will hire you again." And I'm like, "But that was six years ago, and I've done." 500 events since then you know like it's it's fine yeah, it's yeah, fine yeah. and like yes if i get something theologically wrong of course i want to correct it and i like as a youth minister i've done that like hey last week i said this i just kind of misspoke and whatever um here's the the real thing uh but the best ministry that i have done or god's done through me blah blah, blah all the correct ways to say that but the best ministry that i've been a part of has been me being me and the uh, the parts of me that are helpful for ministry are the comedy. And I've gotten like, if the door is like the door to somebody's heart, right? Like let, or just that people have been so closed off to me just because like you were saying, like the priest with the collar, like I don't have a collar, but like I'm in charge of ministry events. So they're like, Oh, this guy's the Jesus guy. And he's a loser, you know? And then I, I come in, I start talking, like telling jokes and they're like, they start unfolding their arms and they start opening up. And then maybe by the end of the day, I can share something that's real and then their hearts are open to receive that when like wh where it says that like seriousness is still fumbling with the lock. I've, I've been to ministry events where people never open up because it's all serious the whole time. And it comes from this, like we need to, we need to share the fullness of the truth with our young people. And it's like, yes, we do, but they also need to receive it. <laughs> so yeah, it's our exactly. job as the, as the, it's our job to help that reception happen. Like, obviously that's God's work, but like our job is to open them up so that God could do his work. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, that's evangelization. Isn't just about the words you say. It's about the person who's saying them. I mean, this is, I mean, really it's about communion and communion happens between people. So if you're not willing to make those connections, you're just, just shouting at people, shouting at people. And that's not helpful. The idea is to bring them into the church, right? So to bring them into this, you know, body of persons, you gotta be a person who is <laughs> right. not uh, terrible. <laughs> Meet Mop. Join our robot group. Of yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was just kind of the, the whole point of why we played that game earlier was one just for everyone to enjoy me failing because that's what mm. the audience enjoys i mm. think i uh, enjoyed it <laughs> oh good uh, but yeah and also giving you a win on this show for once <laughs> it doesn't happen often man i i enjoyed every second of it i bet you did you're welcome buddy that's why you noted i'm a very gracious winner so well yeah yeah <laughs> should we tell the story about what happened last night <laughs> no it's stupid don't worry about it <laughs> Well, now we have to because that was a weird way to say it. You, you texted me this this game that we play together. You yeah. texted me and you were like, "Oh, I got forty nine kills or forty eight kills or whatever in a game," and like we you had texted me like, "Hey, you want to play together?" And I was like, "No, I can't. I'm dropping my kids off." Blah blah blah. So uh, I finally finished my day at around midnight my time. So you were well gone asleep, and I played one game. <laughs> And I got three more kills than you. I got 51 kills, and I took a screenshot, and then I went to bed. And before I went to bed, I texted you at 1 in the morning my time, 2 in the morning your time, just to show you that I did better than you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, it was a good time. Today was a good time. You got your win because I got my win last night. So before we leave, we're just going to leave you with a little bit of comedy. The whole point of this is that usually, like, that's what this show is all about, too. Hopefully bringing you in with a little bit of comedy and then share some serious things as we as we go. Since we've already revealed that, we're just going to end the show with a little bit of laughs. How's that today? Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, uh, you've heard of memes, yes? That's that's the fancy Catholic word for you for the day. Yeah, I've heard of memes, yes. Okay, so there was one the other day that I really enjoyed, and it was two billboards on top of each other, like uh, on the road. You know, you know, so like you're, people are driving yeah. by, and the top one says, um, uh, you know, you have to choose one, heaven or hell. Like those billboards that think they're being helpful, <laughs> like they're, they're just yeah. not. Everybody makes fun of them. And then the one below was Chick-fil-A. And it just said, come to Chick-fil-A, here's the exit, and tell them the cow sent you. And then at the bottom, it was God hugging a person, and the person was saying, the cows sent me. <laughs> Which is funny to think that cows sent people to Jesus, but also pretty true that eating Chick-fil-A helps you get to heaven. Amen. <laughs> amen. amen. Uh, the next one, uh, where's it at? Where's it at? I lost it. Uh, the next one is a joke I made up that you had to correct me on. I thought piro- you're the only person I know that eats pierogies. And I and you're Italian, so I thought pierogies were Italian. So no. you, I originally put Italian, but you told me it was Polish. Why did the Polish Catholic insist on eating meat on Fridays and Lent? It was his pierogi tooth. <laughs> that is like one of the worst jokes you've ever made. Well, but for some reason, it makes me laugh more than a lot of your better jokes. Oh, <laughs> uh, for sure. We'll talk about that next time you're on. But that's how we're ending today's show with that terrible joke from me that I got the entire race of people wrong. I'll be back next week. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We enjoyed making it. So if you made it all the all this way, you know what you have to do. Like the video. If you're listening on audio, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube. And no matter where you're listening slash watching, share this with a friend that you think will enjoy it. If all of you shared it with one other person and even half of them listened, our our listens would go up by 50%. I think that's the correct math. So do it. Share it with a friend. Somebody needs a laugh today. And there are a ton of Catholics. You can share it with them. Do it. Love you guys. I'll be back soon. Bye.